0: I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I'd like to begin by first saying what a delight it is to be with you all on this fine morning and uh, and to, uh, to thank you and uh, applaud you for choosing to come to be in church and not uh, outside in the beautiful sunshine. This morning, where I suspect there will be a lot of people today. <laughs> today we gather for um, both our usual celebration of Eucharist, but of course, as has been said, the confirmation of these four people. And um, I was pondering uh, the readings today in the light of that, and I was what brought came to mind was this: um, How many people here know about Star Wars? Okay, you know. Okay, that's good. Okay, Um, And um, how many know that there's all sorts of spin-offs in the Star Wars universe? Okay, then the laughter says yes. Um, How many of you have heard of The Mandalorian? Oh, wow. Excellent. Okay, now this is going all the way to the stretching right to the end. How many of you have watched The Mandalorian? Oh, hey. that's, That's quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, this is this is church. We're talking about the Bible, but uh, um, we'll get back to that in a minute. But uh, what came to mind was that uh, I've, watch- I've watched the Mandalorian series with uh, one of my daughters, and uh, it's fascinating because the Mandalorians are this um, this race of people, also an order, who have this this code of conduct and. Um, it was pointed out to me, somebody said that they're primarily bounty hunters, but that's not quite true in the story. Um, their primary code is that they are uh, protectors of foundlings, legs, uh, uh, orphaned children, uh, those who've been separated until they can be restored to their people, and that's their, their primary uh, goal that's, or that's sort of listed. Um, but they always wear these, they have a strict code of conduct, and they always have a helmet on, they're not allowed to take it off, and yes, there's a lot of violence, uh, it seems to be everything is that way these days. Um, but there's this uh, this thing that they have, their code of conduct, is actually referred to as the Mandalorian Creed. Yeah, it's called the Creed, the Mandalorian Creed. And when they recite uh, you know, the core parts of this, they do this, and it's a very formalized thing. Like somebody will say, this is what I will do. And somebody says, this is the way, and they all say, this is the way. And it's, it's a ritual, you see, the people who've read it, they're, they're, they're singing along with me up here. This is the way, I love it, I love it, that's great. And um, But in the actual words, the actual formal words, um, the last part of that creed um, says, um, and I will hold this creed forged upon my heart I will hold this creed forged upon my heart. This is the way. Now, I have to say, you know, me, I, I hear that and I go, there was a Christian in there somewhere. Yeah, there was a guy that was writing the text and was going, yeah, let's use the word creed. And, and, and you know, um, but we all know the word creed, but sometimes uh, we may not uh, quite remember how significant the word way, the way is also. In Christian faith, and um, I understand that you all have been doing uh, a different. Um, well, I understand. Brandon talked to me before he did it because he has to. So you know, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. But um, but been doing this different set of readings uh, in a narrative way, and we happen to be focusing on Acts. And in the Acts of the Apostles, one of the features of it is that there is a use of of the the word the way, or the words the way to talk about Christian life. And so when you hear the way, sometimes it sounds like they're just talking about going somewhere, but almost always there's another level of meaning because the way refers to the way of Christian faith, the Christian life, the Christian belief, and so the way. Now, I have to say... um, when I was in seminary and learning about this, it was like, you know, this is a thing, it's, it's in Luke and, and Luke's Acts of the Apostles. Um, if you actually read the Old Testament a lot and read the Psalms, you'll discover that actually Luke didn't invent it. <laughs> Rarely do we invent. Um, but rather, the Old Testament also uses this uh, language. Um, how shall the young walk in the way? You know, what way should they take? This is the way that the Lord has set before us. And it's a beautiful expression, isn't it? The way, the road, the travel. Um, It's about belief. It's about what you understand. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's about relationship with God, and it's also about the way we walk because of that, The, the way that we go through life, how we act towards others, what we value. And so, again, when we read in the Acts of Apostles, you know, and they went along on the way <laughs> it's a double entendre yes they were going along but they were following in the way and that image is so so uh central to us as christians and so important to be to be remembered and especially on the day when we're doing confirmations because at the heart of our confirmations is a reaffirmation of the faith that we've professed in our baptism we entered onto the journey of the way in, in our baptism. Well, actually, we probably started before that. Some of us, if you we were baptized as an adult or, or, or a young person. But we entered into our baptism, but in, in our confirmation, we are reaffirming that. And as you know, in our tradition in the Yankee Church, when others are confirmed, we all join in with them to reaffirm the covenants. And we have all sorts of good language. The covenants, all good language. But what we're talking about is that we are together. this way as I was reflecting about that and I was thinking you know the story from Acts actually says really crucial things about the way and the the gospel as well but the the acts is the focus that I I want to hold on to today because the big chunk uh, in case you didn't notice we had three verses of uh, chapter 13 and then we were into the middle of chapter 14 so we we skipped a bunch um, they didn't pray, send them off, and then they were in the Lyconium. Uh, there was a thing in between. But the big piece in the, at Lyconium is that Paul and Barnabas arrive, and they they preach the word. They're, they're talking. They're sharing the story of Jesus to others. They're on the way. <laughs> they're on the way and they're doing the way. And they're preaching about Jesus and they see this person who is lame, crippled, camel. And Paul, it says, looks at him intently and sees that he has faith to be healed. And so he reaches out and calls him into health. And the man stands up and walks. Now, here's where the most interesting and strange thing happens, right? The people around, the people around don't go, wow, how amazing Jesus must be. They don't say, wow, God did a beautiful thing. Did you notice that in the story they say paul and barnabas are amazing in fact they're probably the personification of gods we should get you know the priest of zeus to come and and slaughter oxen in sacrifice to honor these gods that are amongst us kind of a weird thing in our context. I don't know if any of you have ever encountered anybody slaughtering oxen in the streets, but I guess it would have been a thing in the day. And what were they doing? They were expressing, well, actually, they were living out of the place that they were formed as as citizens of the empire in the ancient world. That was part of the thing. You had gods, you had temples. Um, the gods could show up at any time in various forms or through people. And so when it did, you wanted to honor them right away by, you know, killing an animal because that's what you did and, and that would make the, the gods happy or um, hopefully keep doing things for you. So they're reacting entirely out of the way that they walk. They're reacting out of the way that they walk. Yeah, but it's not the way that Paul and Barnabas. Are walking, and so of course the story goes on to tell us that Paul and Barnabas freak out. Please don't do this. Stop! 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 And so they barely restrain the people from doing it. And if we had got the next few verses, which are really lovely, um, well, no, they're not because Paul gets stoned. I, I mean, sorry. In our context, he is stoned by others. Um, yeah. <laughs> one has to be careful these days. Yes. Paul does not get stoned; he is stoned by other people um, for 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 what? Well, okay, they, they turn against him, and why? Because they're walking in their way, <laughs> and Paul has been walking in the way of Jesus, and so it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of a beautiful symmetry. That's beautiful. Things the preachers say. Now, it's a beautiful symmetry that Paul gets stoned because uh, of course where does Paul first appear in the scene in the Acts of the Apostles Stephen has been proclaiming Jesus and bearing witness and Paul is amongst those who stand as Stephen is stoned to death and now we have this instance where Paul is preaching and and witnessing to Jesus and he is stoned to death well he doesn't die He he actually survives it somehow. Survives it. And so Paul and Barnabas are walking in the way and doing what Christ has called them to do in a world that walks in a very different way. And we have this clash and this misunderstanding. I was pondering that and I was thinking, you know, it's interesting how. culture uh, so easily seeps into how we think about things. Because it would be uh, highly, highly, highly unlikely that anybody in our context is going to slaughter an ox (laughs) uh, to honor anything. But the notion that, well, it must be Paul and Barnabas that did this because they're the ones in front of us, actually resonates for me very well with our culture, which is that we think that we do it all we're it the world's gonna get better because we're gonna make it better we have this great amnesia about how much we've wrecked the world (laughs) but we're convinced that we're the ones that are going to fix everything and then you'll notice that this whole story begins when we read at the beginning of acts chapter 13 it begins with what It does not say that Paul and Barnabas sat down with the others and they had a strategic planning meeting and they decided that the way to go forward here would be to gather some resources and they would enact the plan and that would in fact uh, accomplish whatever task they were going to do. No, that's not what happened in the story. (laughs) What happens in the story is it says they are worshipping God and fasting. They are praying. They are opening their hearts to God. Reminds me of the first great commandment from Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Fascinating that they're in that order, is it not? You have to start with putting God in God's place so that we can be in our place in the way we're supposed to be. We love God first, and then that changes our hearts so that we can love others properly. And so they worship and they pray and they fast and that fuels and directs their mission to go out and to preach. And yes, they come encounter with a world that's walking a different way because the minds and hearts have not been shaped. And yet, there is a community that to be established in most of these places where they go. People who actually are able to hear and who through joining together in prayer and in worship and fasting in reading the scriptures allow their minds and hearts to be shaped and who themselves then begin to walk in that same way today as we confirm these four people as they are confirmed as they reaffirm their vows and we join them in that we're being reminded again of the importance of the center of our walk as Christians as our walk as Christians is to be constantly attentive to what God is calling us to, to be listening, to be in prayer and in worship, so that our lives are being conformed to walking in the way of Jesus. In the way of Jesus that leads us to to share God's love, to preach the gospel, and sometimes to put up with the negative consequences, of the collision between what we profess and what the world have us think or believe. And that is the call. That is the call. And not a call that says, yeah, just get up and do it. If this isn't Nike, just do it. Was it Nike that just do it? Did I get that right? Okay, I'm not, that's not my thing really. It just came to my brain, so I'm, you know, it's not, this is not, I just do it. Yes, just do it, but it's not just do it. It is about with the strength, with the power, with the grace of God's Spirit, which is, of course, at the heart of the confirmation. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant, with your Holy Spirit. And that's how we walk in that way. And when we open ourselves, when we pray, when we allow the Spirit to be a work in us, when we walk in the way of Jesus, then, well, then our lives are being transformed. Um, The image of God from the beginning of creation is being renewed in us. We are becoming new people. Who can, like Paul and Barnabas, and like all those witnesses, walk in a new way in life. And so I'm going to end by saying, especially to those who are being confirmed today, but also to all of us. Keep this creed forged in your heart. (laughs) Because this, this is actually the way. Amen.